1901, a woman by the name of Annie Taylor climbed into a barrel so that she could ride that barrel over Niagara Falls, the first person to do so. The reason for her crazy endeavor? She was struggling to make ends meet, and she was hoping for fame and financial security. It's Ryan from United Faith Mortgage, a faith and family mortgage team that tries to improve your financial outlook without having to ship you over a 170-foot waterfall. Our mortgage team happens to be an arm of a bigger company who is a direct lender, which means our company gets to use its own money and make its own decisions within its own walls. There's no middleman. This advantage often allows us to get you a better rate, which can save you monthly and lifelong money through a refinance, or help you with a cash-out refinance, cashing out some of your home's equity to use for life. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Melville Park Road, Melville, New York. Licensed mortgage banker. For all licensing information, go to nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Corporate NMLS number 1330. Equal housing lender. Not licensed in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, and Utah. We're about to be joined with a good friend. His name's David Williams, and God's been working in David's life and ministry experiences, and it gives him a heart and a passion for reaching building and sending out youth and young adults with the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. He's also a champion, a voice for the unborn, and helping people, men and women, recover from uh, this brokenness that happens because of abortion. And uh, he speaks on all things, wonderful things that point us back to the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, especially as we're coming towards the end of the year here, David, and uh, getting ready for Christmas. It's so good to welcome you back to Mornings with Tom and Tavi. Good morning, my friend. Good morning. It's always good to be on with the two of you. Oh, well, it's great to have you back with us. And I know that a lot of people here at we've got two weeks left of 2022 are reflecting on the year and thinking about the new year. Do you have any reflections that you could share with us? Yeah, you know, what? I, I think for me, I've been, um, quite, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I was asked to speak on a topic that really challenged me. So I was asked to speak on Christ being our greatest treasure. Mm. And it really had me reflecting, is that true in my life? So it almost felt like the Lord turned it around and said, am I your greatest treasure? Mm. And, um, you know, when I, when, I, when I look at things of my past that were destroying my life, it was easy for me to count them as loss and to see Christ as gain. But when it comes to things in my life now, sometimes I feel like, yeah, you know, I can say Jesus is my great treasure. But it's Jesus plus this thing I want you to do or this thing you've given me. And so I've realized, like, he's not, he's not like that treasure in the field to me anymore. Like, at one time, I sold everything just to have him. Like, sometimes, if I'm honest, I feel like I need other things. And I think God has just been dealing with my heart just to say, am I enough? Like, I've given you everything. I live inside of you. I've made it so that you can have a relationship with me and your sins to be forgiven. And yet I allow other things to kind of creep in there. So, yeah, I think the Lord's really just had me evaluating my my heart, evaluating my motives. And uh, is Christ really my greatest treasure? And, and I, you know, I was looking in Philippians, and, and when I looked at Paul's words, it was like not only was he Paul's greatest treasure, I think he would have been Paul's only treasure. Like he was like, not just the things that at one time I looked at his prophet that I might gain Christ, but everything I count as lost, like anything that was yet to come. And here's a man who's writing in prison. Here's a man who doesn't have the fellowship of his friends. 
here's the man for him. It's like for me to live is Christ. If I'm living, my whole life is about him and spreading his message. But if I die, if I lose even what most people consider to be most precious, my life, that's the greatest gain because it's going to put me with the one who is my only treasure. And that's what I'm living this life for. And that's really challenged me, you know, as I've reflected back on this year. Wow, you're hearing the voice of David Williams just kind of doing some end-of-year reflections, and uh, specifically because of this message that you taught. And David, we were talking with a friend just last week about this hymn that so many people sing, the I Surrender All. Mm. And he was saying that he can't sing that song because he's not so sure in his own heart that he's been able to do that as well. And as you were talking just now, I know so much that I elevate above the Lord. And for me, it's family. You know, I'm trying to to try and keep that under wraps, but I'm elevating my family over my Lord and Savior, and I've got to check myself with that, but that's yeah. hard. It is hard. It is absolutely hard. You know, and I can I could say the same, Tom. You know, sometimes it's, it's my marriage or my kids and my relationship with them. And um, for me, it really hit home about a decade ago when I lost my mom and uh, it was very sudden and, and my mom and I, we didn't have a great relationship growing up. It wasn't horrible, but I, you know, I thought once I came to Christ and she came to Christ, that God would restore our relationship and he would make it like really, really beautiful. And then she died suddenly from a, from a brain aneurysm. And uh, I, I noticed like my heart significantly stepped back from the Lord because it was like my expectation of what I wanted him to do meant so much more than who he was. And it was like, I'm, I'm almost done and I'm ready to walk away. And he had to remind me, he had to actually point me back to the cross. I was doubting his love. And he said, this is the place where I've demonstrated my love for you. Mm-hmm. And I, I have made it possible for you to know me and to have your sins forgiven. Not only have I done that for you, David, and I, but I did it for your mom. So even what you were wanting of me, I've done so much more because I've made it possible for both of you to know me. And you're actually going to have an eternity with your mom together with me in my presence. But I was elevating things of this world so much more that it almost caused me to begin to walk away from the Lord, who, who is absolutely everything and has done everything for me. But I was telling him, like, that wasn't enough. You didn't do this and, and I'm done. Well, good morning. We're in a conversation now with David Williams, and he joins us every month and just sharing his heart and uh, his spiritual wisdom. And we're reflecting over this year, thinking about where is God on the throne of our hearts? And then, Tom, you had another question. Yeah, David, uh, this word keeps coming up with the different people that we speak with, and that word is expectation. But it's one of those unmet expectations that sometimes keep us from what God has for us and keeps us away from drawing near to him at Christmas time. Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, I think um, for many of us, if we're honest, we have things that we're expecting of God. And um, when those things are not met, it becomes very easy for us, as I was talking in the last segment with the death of my mom, to begin to, to back away. And mm. and I think we need to... Um, ask the Lord if, if we're not, you know, in touch with what those things are to show us if there are some unmet expectations in our life and to bring them to Him. And then to remember, you know, any, anything that we're hoping for in life apart from Christ is going to disappoint us. And, uh, you know, I think many of us are disappointed because of things we feel that God didn't do. But I think of, like, just different passages that, that have helped me. Like, you know, there's one that every 
promise of God is yes and amen in Christ. And so sometimes we take that and we pick something we want and we find a verse and a promise for it. But what I think it's saying is every promise of God is yes in Christ, and we have Christ. So every promise that God has given us, we have because we have Christ. And if we have Christ, everything we need for life, He's going to give to us because He's everything that we need. And and in in our expectations, it's wanting something even above Christ, uh, above and beyond what God has given us. When He is pretty much saying, when I gave you Jesus, I gave everything, everything. Everything for you need for this life, everything you need for the life to come. And Jesus is a provider. He's a protector. Everything we need, every promise is fulfilled in him. Then another verse I think of is, you know, the one that we're all familiar with is, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways. He will direct your path and make them straight. The beginning part of that, I think sometimes we, we, we put a word in there. Instead of trust in the Lord, it's almost like instead of, and so our whole trust, our whole weight to be upon him and him alone, we almost change it to what am I trusting God for? And mm-hmm. what the scripture is saying, just trust God, because he, he will not disappoint. And then just to kind of end, in um, Psalm 62, uh, verses 5 and 6, it says, Find rest, O my soul, in God alone. My hope, some translations say, my expectation comes from him. Mm-hmm. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. When it's in anything in addition to Christ, those things are not bound to fulfill what we think that they would, but he will fulfill everything that he has promised. And so God is saying, put your expectation in him. He's a rock. He can't be shaken. He's your fortress. And we have to remember that, but then we have to be honest with those things that we're looking to bring them to the Lord, bring them out into the light, confess them, and uh, ask the Lord to turn our heart back fully to Him because we can't even turn our own heart back to Him. It's great to have you with us on Mornings with Tom and Tommy as we're speaking with David Williams. And David, you know, as we're wrapping up the end of the year, we're working our way towards Christmas. There's a new year coming. There are some mercies that are new every morning for us in Christ. Give us some final thoughts as we're wrapping up the year here. Yeah, I think as we think of... uh... Christmas, I think it's one of the most amazing events for us as as believers, and I think it can become so watered down. You know, we've heard the stories of the birth of Christ and the baby in the manger and the angels with the shepherds and all of that. But for this year, like God God has connected a verse I never really thought of for Christmas, and it's really made made it more just the reality of Christ coming just more, more impactful for me. And it's an Old Testament verse where it's Isaiah the prophet, and he sees this theophany of God in all of his glory. There's a word in John where uh, it said that no one has seen God, but the only God who is at his side has made him known. So no one's seen the Father. So I believe that Isaiah gets this picture of uh, God who's high and lifted up, exalted on his throne, the train of his robe filling the temple, angels flying around him in worship and and at work, you know, it's just in awe of him and crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of, of hosts. So you see this sovereign, powerful, almighty king seated on his throne. And, and I believe Isaiah was getting a picture of Jesus, of God in his pre-incarnate glory. And so for me, it's been blowing my mind to think that this one who is holy and before whom we deserve nothing but wrath 
And even when he comes in, and in Luke it says he's the Holy One um, who will be the Son of God, who will be called the Son of God, and God who comes into this earth who, who hates sin, but yet he comes into this earth as a human being, and he puts all of his deity that heaven can't contain into a, a, a body. He becomes this zygote that goes through all the developmental cycles in the womb of Mary to become a baby. Mm -hmm. And here comes God showing up in the planet, and there's nobody like him. And when he shows up, he's not showing up to give us what we deserve, which is wrath for our sin. He's coming to bring a rescue to us that we need. He's coming in a form where he could bear our sin, where he could make it possible for our sin to be removed, that we could have a relationship with a king that we don't deserve to have a relationship with. And that's just blown my mind as I think of this cataclysmic event where the one worshiped by angels becomes blasphemed by men. The one who is heaven's glory comes into a broken, fallen world of people that he chose to be his own, and they, 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 they didn't even receive him. And it's like he came for us, and he didn't have to, and there was nothing in us that draw, drew him here to do what he did. Him coming for it based on what we did would only brought his judgment, but it's the fact that he's a savior. He's a merciful, gracious, loving God, and he was willing to lay down all of that to come here to identify with us but eventually he would die for our sins and be raised from the grave that we could have a brand new life. And I think we need to remember that, that there's nothing like our God and there's nothing like what our God has done for us in giving us the indescribable gift of Jesus. And our God held nothing back from us. And so in light of that, our response is to do the same. He gave up everything for you and me, that we're in in you know, in response to give ourselves fully to him. And so that's, that's, that's what God has just been just reminding me.